Well, good morning, everyone. I was just going to say it's a great privilege, really, to come and uh, be with you, share the Word of God with you this morning. Your, um, your sister in Fornibridge greets you. I know that um, Mark was here last week, just uh, preaching, really, uh, a bit of an introduction to the Gospel of Mark, and I just want to say how excited I am about us going through that Gospel, uh, Mark, um, probably, the, well, the first Gospel to be written, and, um, you know, Mark is this uh, young man, this disciple of Peter, who um, is uh, writing this Gospel, and he's just so full of excitement and, and gusto and, and drive, and you really, you really get that when you read the Gospel. Let me encourage you, if you haven't had a chance Please take a few hours and read through. It's just 16 chapters. Um, very quick, you certainly get through it in two or three hours. Or um, you know, if you want to read a couple of chapters uh, an evening just before you sit down to bed, you'd be through it in a week. Um, I've got it on a, a CD that I play when I'm driving around in the car. So, um, and I wanted to say, yeah, CD, yeah. Do you remember what they are? Yeah, I've got CDs, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Um, and I just wanted to say as well, um, you know, p- partly sort of picking up the, I just felt God quickened to me really. Um, we, we're just feeling as, a, as a, a, an eldership team, um, you know, we're just hearing words about a, a time of strengthening really for the churches. And there is this um, great passage here in, um, in Acts, on, on the, Acts chapter 9, um, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. And that's a great picture of a, a good, healthy, flourishing church. And, you know, we're just feeling really God stirring us, you know, for a time of strengthening amongst the churches. And I, I want you to... Um, uh, to be strengthened this morning as we study the scriptures together. I think one of the great things about Mark is um, how Jesus is so much presented. And, um, you know, I really want you to uh, know your Lord and Savior as we read um, of what he says and what he does. Um, know him and love him, really. Fall in love with the Lord Jesus as we um, as we read these words together. And Tim and Jan, I just wanted to say, you know, count yourselves in to this time of strengthening. Count yourselves in. Okay, let me read the, the passage then. So verse 21, uh, chapter 1, verse 21 through to 45. This is the New American Standard Version. You'll have different versions, so the words will be slightly different, the phrases will be different, but you know the truth that shines out from the Scriptures is the same. So here we go. Verse 21, they, that is Jesus and the disciples that he's just called, which is Peter, Peter features quite prominently in Mark, Peter, Andrew, James and John. They went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. 
Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district. And immediately, after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon, that's Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately, they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand. And the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and they said, everyone is looking for you. He said, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. So just a quick summary, really. We start off in Capernaum. Jesus in the synagogue, there's an unclean spirit that's cast out. Then he goes to Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is sick in bed with a fever. Jesus heals her. The whole town gathers at the door after sunset. He heals many that are sick with various diseases. He casts out many demons. Then, significantly, the next morning, as Joy's already very well articulated, he goes out to a solitary place to pray because that, of course, is the source of where everything's coming from. And then um, he travels throughout Galilee and he preaches in the synagogues and he casts out demons and he's healing uh, diseases. We've got the healing of the leper. Um, and then, really, this thing has taken off so rapidly and so quickly that he cannot enter a town publicly, but he's basically out in unpopulated areas deliberately avoiding publicity and fame, um, and yet, um, you know, 
that, and yet they come to him from all quarters. Now, this word immediately, keep on coming across that. Um, I think that's a young man's word. <laughs> that's a word about somebody who is just, you know, going for it from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. That word um, occurs in the New Testament more than half of the times that that word occurs in all of the New Testament is there in the Gospel of Mark. Um, and, it, you know, there's a sense of excitement and pace and adventure um, to, uh, to the whole thing. So, um, so let's deal really with the, the, the main uh, topic here that's presented to us is that of authority. So we've got it right there. Um, verse 22, um, Jesus teaches. He's teaching in the synagogue. Um, and they are amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who have authority, not as the scribes. It paints a picture, really, of the scribes as being fairly uh, dull and dusty um, and, indeed, perhaps not even preaching from the Scriptures, but instead citing other rabbis that are before them and bringing in all sorts of other ideas. But Jesus is preaching to them from the Scriptures. He's not... Um, he's not calling in on, on any other teaching from any other rabbis. We don't have a, an account right here in this particular passage, but of course Mark gives you know, a good account of Jesus' teaching and says that he teaches using parables. And we'll, get, we'll encounter many of those parables as we go through the book of Mark. So there's a new style, there's a new approach. Jesus is bringing these parables. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. We, we know that from uh, the verses just a little bit earlier. He's proclaiming, repent and believe in the gospel. There's some authority, there's some imperative with that. There's some command with that. This is where they're hearing that authority. Um, but what is he teaching about? He's teaching about forgiveness, cleansing. He's teaching about liberty. He's teaching about hope and light, and life, and the guys are just soaking it up. They are just so lifted, and strengthened, and encouraged, and he's teaching to them from the scriptures, from the word of God, and he's coming really, you know, as someone anointed. We see that just a few verses before at his baptism. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, going about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We, we get an account of that in, in Acts. Um, and that contrasted so much, really, with, uh, you know, what they were hearing. And, I, I, you know, well, I was right. So, that's it. I'm not going to do that. Bit. <laughs> so, and then they recognize not only is he teaching with authority, but he has authority. He has spiritual authority. Now, you know, when it comes to healing, um, you know, there is some precedent for healing in the Old Testament. So, you know, we do find Abraham, we find as a healer, and... And, uh, you know, there's uh, miraculous healing with Moses, of course, you know, who famously holds up the, the cross with the snake on it um, so that those that were bitten by snakes, if they could look to the cross, the pole. Um, and that, of course, is a symbol uh, in this country. The, I think it's the BMA, isn't it, who take that as a symbol? Certainly, that's something we see in the, in the health services. Um, and then, you know, there are other guys. I mean, Isaiah um, heals uh, the king. Is it Hezekiah? King Hezekiah heals with a... Uh, a poultice, um, and, um, and then we've got guys like Elijah and Elisha um, that are bringing uh, healing there. 
Um, so, you know, there is some precedent in the Old Testament, um, but they recognize, really, when it comes to the casting out of demons, that's what they see. Um, and so we've, got this, uh, so we've got this in verse 27. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So instinctively, they understood there was something you know, new and bigger and better. Now, let me just say a little bit about demons, all right? And I'm only going to just say a little bit about it. Because true to form, Mark here provides no explanation at all. We're simply presented with it. Um, but, you know, demons are unclean spirits, foul spirits, evil spirits. They all seem to be, those terms all seem to be used interchangeably of these disembodied, malevolent beings, spiritual beings. Clearly, in this situation here, this, uh, this being has um, possessed, this man has occupied this man. Now, it's a bit of a jar to our Western mechanistic way of thinking about the body. We tend to think of the body as a machine, and we think of the body only of consisting of the the things that we can see and measure and uh, you know, treat with our um, clinical approach. But I think as Christians, we certainly ought to recognize from the creation narrative um, that um, we are a combination of the visible, tangible uh, clay, the dust of the earth, um, but also there is a breathing of the breath of God into us. There is something, there is an invisible element. It says that um, God breathed the breath of life into Adam and he became a living soul. He became a living being. So there was, there's something about the fusion of the invisible spirit and the very visible and tangible dust of the earth that brings about who we are. Um, and so here we have an disembodied spirit that has come to occupy the flesh of this man um, and the language that Jesus uses is the language of eviction doesn't he he says come out of be silent come out of him and when this uh, spirit um, leaves the man um, there is a scream and there is a convulsion in the King James version it says uh, that the spirit tore the man as he left him. And so there's this sense of a, a, a forceful separation of spirit and flesh there as the spirit leaves him. Um, clearly, we clearly, we see that the spirits um, recognize Jesus. They know who he is. Now, the people in the synagogue, you know, are beginning to wonder. But in the spiritual world, it's very, very apparent and wide open. And so the that this, this evil spirit cannot help himself but testify. We know who you are. You are the Holy One, the Son of God. And Jesus forbids that kind of language, and he forbids them to speak um, because they know who we are, and he doesn't want that testimony given from, uh, from the evil spirits. Um, just to say, we never see Jesus seek out uh, any kind of uh, demon or evil spirit. He only responds when they kind of give themselves away in front of him. Um, I don't know what it says about you know, the level of um, 
worship and, and spirituality in that synagogue that this guy can apparently come on in with an evil spirit and be part of that community without, without it being apparent until now. Um, but, um, but clearly, encountering you know, this, um, the light of God, the Son of God, that, that, that throws him out. Also interesting to see that they know what they're coming to. They know their end, don't they? Have you come to destroy us before our time? They know that their time will come. So there's, there is a lot in Scripture that is not said, okay, about, you know, demons and, and you know, that's... And I just want to say to you, really, I just want to bring a word of uh, caution and, you know, to protect you and say, you know what, what's not said, you don't need to know. So, uh, you, you, you know, you can probably go into Keith Jones' bookshop or... or download stuff you could download a dozen books I'm sure from the good book company on demons and demonology can I just say don't do that don't go there where the scripture is silent just let's just leave it as silent these are things we don't need to know about we don't you know let's just leave it at that okay um and when they pop up and they're in our way and the kingdom of God is advancing and the demons start jumping well then we'll deal with them but uh, you know other than that please you know just forget about them, really. Um, okay, so that's enough said on that. But clearly what Mark is driving at here is the evidence that is apparent to everybody about the authority, the spiritual authority of Jesus. Now then, let's talk about um, Peter's mother-in-law. So it's all back to the house after church. You know, very nice, pleasant Sunday afternoon. Well, Saturday afternoon. Of course, it's for Sabbath, isn't it? Um, and Peter's mother-in-law is ill in bed with a fever, and they mention that to her. In fact, it says they bring Jesus to her. Um, so he goes into the bedroom, he takes her by the hand, he raises her up, the fever leaves her, um, and then um, she helps to prepare the meal and serves the meal. Now, look, there's a lot of breaking of taboos in this, because any self-respecting but self-righteous Pharisee would just not do anything like that. You've got the breaking of the taboo in terms of he goes into her bedroom. She's in the bed. He goes into her bedroom. And that would just be, you know, outrageous. She is sick. He touches her. Well, the whole thinking in terms of the, the pharisaical way of thinking is the Pharisee would think, if I touch someone who is sick, I am defiled by her. I am made unclean by her. So you just wouldn't want to touch the sick. You wouldn't want to be anywhere near them. We see that, don't we, in the parable, if you remember, of the Good Samaritan, where they walk by on the other side, don't they? So, you know, he's, so there's two big broken taboos. First of all, he goes in. Secondly, he touches her. And she's a woman. I mean, there's also a broken taboo in terms of touching a woman. That's bad news as well if you're a Pharisee. And the fever leaves her. It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, the, the life of God in the Lord Jesus. He reaches and he touches her and his life flows in and the fever is just kind of displaced, just washed out. Like it would be if you bring a, a light into a darkened room, the darkness is just displaced, it's just... And you get that sense of the fever leaves her. Oh, 
You know, no place, I'm out of here. She, obviously, he raises her up, he lifts her up from the bed, you know, and you can just imagine, can't you, as, as he's lifting her up, you know, the, she's just, whoa, the strength of God is flowing into her. And by the time she's upright on her feet, she's good. She's feeling good. And then she goes and serves, okay? She goes to serve them. She, the, the, the meaning there is she serves a table. She serves, she serves a meal to them. Now, you know, we've got to be careful, guys, when we come to the Scriptures because it's so easy for us to come with a, a Western mindset on. And I can just hear, you know, you could, you could say, oh, this is typical gender stereotyping, the woman, you know, feeds the food to the men. There's the, f- the four disciples and Jesus sat around the table, you know, talking proper big stuff, you know. And the women are bringing the food to them. But again, there's a real breaking of taboo there. If you were a rabbi, if you were someone who was putting yourself forward as speaking for God and representing God, you would not have women bringing the food to your table. They might be preparing the food in the kitchen, but they would not be stepping into the same room as you where you are feeding. So again, you know, and we see this with Jesus right the way through. The women are very much part and parcel of his ministry. And I just want to say to you, that is, that is liberating. That is a message of equality and liberation for all of those around that would see that. So, you know, let's be careful about what judgments we can quickly come to with our mess mindset when we come to the scriptures. Okay, after the sun has set, all the other people turn up at the door. Why is that significant? Because this is the Sabbath day. And it's the Sabbath with the with the Jewish calendar, the Sabbath runs from 6 p.m. on Friday to 6 p.m. on Saturday. So once the sun goes down on Saturday, it's not the Sabbath anymore. And so then the people feel they are able to come on out. Now, you know, we later, in fact, in the next chapter, Jesus sails straight into a whole load of controversy about he's working on the Sabbath because he's in the synagogues teaching and he's healing the sick and casting out demons, and they say that's work. But he hasn't got into that controversy just yet, okay? We give, <laughs> we give him one chapter, okay? Um, but that's why it's significant after the sun comes down, the, the whole family come out, or the whole town comes out, the whole town at your door. Can you imagine that? Imagine the whole town gathering at your door. You know, there is a, I mean, okay, we're talking something a little bit smaller, but you know, that's, that's all encompassing, isn't it? And they bring out the sick and they bring out the demon possessed and he's healing them and he's healing various diseases and stuff. So, you know, never start thinking, well, I wonder if God can heal this. I mean, there's no record of God healing people with warts on their feet, you know. It doesn't say that in scripture. Well, no, but it, there's lots of times in scripture where it says various diseases, various ailments, various sicknesses and he's casting out the demons as well when they start jumping in front of him. So, massive time, really, just a massive time. Um, and then, um, you know, not at all insignificantly, Jesus is up in the early morning, he's with his father, and then when the disciples come out to him, the disciples are motivated 
by this sense of, you know, they say, everybody's looking for you. And the implication is, and, you know, you ought to respond to that. You ought to be there for them. But Jesus has just a sense of um, focus, really. Focus. He knows what his mission is. So he says, no, 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 we're, we're going we're gonna to go to other places now. We're going to travel around. We're going to go to all of the villages and towns in Galilee, um, into all of their synagogues, you know, and we're going to preach. Because, he says, that is what I was here to do. Where is it? He says, verse 38, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. So there is, so Jesus is clearly placing a priority on the teaching and preaching. That is what is more significant to him. And I think there's a lesson there for us as well. Jesus does not set up a healing ministry in Capernaum and try and hire the biggest place available and get you know, the, the, the leaflets spread out and have everybody and think, you know, we can run this for months, mate. You know, we can be busting them in and healing people and casting out demons and it's going to be spectacular and really popular and great. He's, the, the fame, the notoriety is actually a serious impediment to him. It's a serious problem to him, um, as, we'll, we'll, as you know, we see later. Um, in fact, we'll, we'll go there now. So we're after, after the, the, the leper um, has been healed, we're going to go back and have a look at the leper in a minute. But what he says to the leper is, don't say anything to anybody. Just go and complete what's you know, appropriate for you as a Jew, fulfill the the law of Moses there um, and you know don't say anything and the leper disobeys that you know I mean I've got some sympathy for him you know but he disobeys that Jesus says to him very sternly don't do this and he does do it he tells everybody what's happened huge crowds um, as a result and Jesus is then really not able to go to the synagogues and preach on the Sunday because you know, it's just impossible for him. So, and still people are coming out to him. So, you know, that's really something for us to sit up and take note of. You know, when we're thinking about how can we build the church? What kind of marketing program can we have? Um, wouldn't it be great if there were signs and wonders and people gathered, you know, we could do great stuff, you know? Um, you know, we just got to really sit up and take notice here. Jesus does not operate that way. He's not thinking that way. What's more important to him is that the gospel is preached. And we've got this account here at the beginning of this chapter. He's preaching, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And when he, when he sees the disciples, you know, he says, follow me. And they leave everything and follow him. And that's, that's our message. Our message is follow the Lord Jesus Christ, leave everything and follow him. Lay your life down and follow him. And so it's that message, that gospel message, which is Jesus' priority. The signs and wonders follow. And of course, that's exactly what we've got, the very last verse in this great book. says, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, it says that the disciples went out and preached the gospel everywhere, and Jesus confirmed the word with the signs and wonders that followed. So the signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. That's the priority, that's the order. And uh, you know, that's what we see at the beginning here with Jesus, 
And by the end of it, that's what the disciples are, are functioning on as well. Okay. Um, just checking my notes here. Fine. So interestingly in Acts, um, so let's talk about, um, you know, when we do pray, okay? So we do pray for healing. We do pray for signs and wonders. I thought it was interesting how they prayed for that in Acts. So in Acts chapter 4, um, we've got this account of, um, of them praying, 429 to 31. So this is the disciples gathered together, and they say, Now, Lord, grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant. And when they had prayed, the place where they gathered was shaken, and they, all, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So again, the priority there, they are praying that the gospel will be proclaimed with boldness. It will be clearly proclaimed that people will be responding to the word of God. And that the Lord would extend his hand and perform signs and wonders uh, to confirm that word. And I just think in our, you know, that gives us some shape in our direction as well, that we should pray for signs and wonders, we should pray that God would help us preach the word and that he would be performing those signs and wonders. And it says very clearly there um, that signs and wonders be, be um, uh, performed in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of your holy servant Jesus. I just want to say very, very clearly, um, you know, after, after COVID now, I expect that the psychic fairs will be, you know, doing their circuits uh, through, 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 the, through the towns and the countryside um, in, in the summer season. Let's just be really clear, okay? We do not offer psychic healing. We do not offer faith healing, all right? I don't want anybody here saying they're a faith healer, all right? We're not offering healing. We are not offering healing in, you know, in the, in, in the name of New Life Community Church, all right? We're, <laughs> we offer healing in the name of Jesus, okay? And let's get that name in there, okay? It's in his name that the healing comes, all right? Because I just want to say to you, it's not exclusive, okay? Other people heal in other names, all right? And the extent of that healing, I don't know about, but we offer healing in the name of the Lord Jesus, okay? That's what we're going for. That's what we stand for. Um, okay, and we're going to go for that. I think, uh, you know, just feel really... Um, you know, we will have a time where, you know, we will be, I've got my oil with me here, we're going to be offering healing in the name of Jesus and, you know, laying hands on the sick and anointing with oil at the end of this, at the end of this service, so we're going to go for that. Right, let's get to the healing of the leper. I'm going to read that to you one more time. This is just, this is just so beautiful and, again, very typical of Mark. There's just no context to this at all. You know, you've got the essential facts only. <laughs> That's the way it goes. We don't know when this happened, where this happened, who this guy is. But we know what happened. And that's what matters, right? I mean, actually, I need to get back to Mark. So, verse 40. 
a leper, came to Jesus, beseeching him, falling on his knees before him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was clean. It's such a picture of the gospel wrapped up in all of this. I just want you to look at this. Um, Let's look at the man's approach. First of all, you've got that sense of worshipful surrender. He's on his knees. He comes before him, and he falls on his knees. That speaks a huge amount about what's in that man's heart. There's a sense of um, urgency and full engagement. He beseeches him. You might have he pleads with him or something else along those lines. This isn't a casual approach by this man. This is an earnest, uh, there's an urgency, there's there's an imperative about this. He beseeches him. And there's this beautiful declaration of the sovereignty of God. He says, if you are willing. There's a, there's, a, there's a recognition of the will of God involved in this, of the will of Jesus involved. If you are willing. And a declaration of his power. You can make me clean. That's where the man's faith is at. You can make me clean. He knows that. He, de- he declares that of the Lord, doesn't he? So he's there in his faith, but there's not a sense of, um, and then he, because then he leaves it at that. There's no, there's no sort of. He doesn't bargain with him, does he? How many times do we do that, Lord? If you will just do this, I promise. You know, more devotional time, less sin, more devotion. You know, we know what we know what we need to promise, don't we? You know. I'll do everything you ask me, Lord, if I, you know, listen, don't make bargains like that. Don't pray prayers like that because, you know, we are in no position, are we, to, you know, to promise anything to the Lord. So just, you know, this is what this guy does. He just asks and then he leaves it. He leaves it for the Lord. And what happens? The Lord Jesus here, this is your saviour. This is your Lord Jesus. This is the one. He is moved with compassion. There is an emotional response here. He he cares about the plight of this man. And so often we see this, uh, particularly in, in Mark. People come and, you know, Jesus is on his way somewhere and he's interrupted. And he responds to that. And I just want you to, to get that, you know, that, that God can be, um, we can bring our requests, we can bring our pleads, our beseeching. He hears those things. He pays attention. He responds to those things. Sometimes it seems even in Scripture that, you know, Jesus changes his mind. His intention is this, but there is this pleading, and he changes his mind. He hears that and changes his mind. He, he is persuadable, okay? He's approachable. These things matter to him. How we are 
you know, let's think about Peter, how Peter's mother-in-law is doing. It matters to Jesus. These things matter to him. And then he responds, he reaches out. I mean, this is such a picture of the gospel, isn't it? The father sends the son into the world to save the world. God so loves the world. We've just been singing it, haven't we? That love is there, that compassion is there, that he sends his son, he reaches out into our world. And again, we've got this whole business about reaching and touching the leper. Real breaking of taboos there, real shocking thing, I would have thought, for the, for the disciples around to see that happen. You can almost hear that sharp intake of breath as he touches the leper, you know. He's reaching out, he's touching. And, um, and then these words of life-giving liberation. He says, I am willing. I am willing. Be clean. Oh, can you just imagine the, the light and the joy that fills that man's heart? That's the reply, isn't it? That's the response. And we want to say that, you know, to the rest of the world, don't we? We want to say that God is willing. He is ready and willing to enter and impact your life and to change things and to bring his life and his light and his love and his saving power to you and transform everything. I mean, for this leper, of course, it's not just the physical healing. It's a total transformation of his place in society. You know, there are leper colonies because lepers are outcasts. Um, because everybody's afraid of them and they literally have to look after themselves and, and you know, bury their own dead because nobody's going to come near. So this guy now suddenly is returned to society and you know, there's all of that in there. All of that is part of that, that cleansing. Such liberation, such life-giving power flowing into him. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us so people say you know well you know what has God what has God got to do with me then you know what's you know I don't I'm not hearing anything there's nothing much going on you want to say listen before you even knew to ask he has done all that is necessary for you to be eternally saved you don't even know what the problem is and he solved it and solved it so wonderfully and solved it to the uttermost. Now that is our gospel. And we are preaching to people, repent and believe that gospel. Rethink, that's what repent means. Rethink. So often I come across people whose immediate reaction is, oh, don't give me that religion stuff. They've, I've, I've, you know, they've made up their mind about it. They know they made up their mind, don't want anything to do with it. And you want to say, what, are you, what are you saying no to then? You saying no to life-giving power? You saying no to this saviour who comes and says, I've come that you might have life and have it in all of its abundance. You say no to that. Oh, you don't want that. No, you don't want that. People very quick. So what we're saying is repent. Think about it again. Reconsider where you're at. Change your mind. And believe. People believe such nonsense so easily these days. And we are asking them to believe the truth from a God who is only truth, from a God who is only loving. He's got no 
selfish agenda. There's no angle. There's no small print here that you haven't seen. There's no, you know, it's just love and truth and light. Won't you believe that? Won't you listen to that? That's what we're saying. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. And there we have a picture of it captured in the leper. Okay. That's it. That's the end of chapter one. Okay. (laughs) There's a lot more to come. It's a great book. Let's have the worship team up. And um, I just want to pray for us. Just say, Lord Jesus, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you as we look at this uh, gospel here of Mark. We want to know you and love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to know you more. Help us to follow you and just pick up that simplicity of leaving our nets and the things that entangle us and catch us up and just follow you. Lord, we love you. We love to hear about your ministry on earth and, and how you were with people. And, and thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that nothing's changed. And now we, we, we come with that same message um, to the world that you loved and with your love and with your compassion. And Lord, we would pray with those disciples there in Acts, or we would pray, grant that we might proclaim your word, your gospel, you know, with great boldness and with authority. Um, and yes, Lord, we pray that you would stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders in the name of your Holy One, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confirm the word preached, Lord. Bless us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Encourage us and build us, Lord. May these things just, you know, be so alive in our hearts and so rolling around in our hearts, Lord. Um, and help us this morning, Lord. We want to worship. We want to worship you. Can I just ask you guys and invite you to stand? And let's just, with full hearts and open hearts, worship the Lord Jesus.